Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York Six Weeks to Fitness Podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you towards living a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Hi, I'm Vince Ferguson. Welcome to Six Weeks of Fitness, episode 138. Thank you so much for tuning in. Reggie Nance is a native of Cordell, Georgia. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in English and American Literature from Brown University. He currently works as the Associate State Director for Multicultural Engagement for AARP New York, overseeing outreach to African Americans and Caribbean Americans across the state. Prior to holding that position, Reggie worked as an account executive at Cumulus Media in New York City. He was also the former director for Insight New York, a social impact marketing position working extensively with former Mayor Bloomberg's Wake Up New York City campaign to combat chronic absenteeism and truancy in New York City public schools and with the New York City Department of Health on various public health campaigns. Reggie also held the position of senior market director for community events, for the Metro New York City Office of the American Diabetes Association, spending 10 years with the organization. And here today to discuss his many years of service to the community and his role as the Associate Director for Multicultural Engagement for AARP New York is my good friend, Reggie Nash. Reggie, how are you? I'm doing great, Betsy. Thanks for that wonderful introduction and I'm, I'm excited to be on the show with you well man I, I thank you for being on the show because you know i think highly of you man you've done so much for the community but before reg before we dive deep into what you're doing with aarp let's talk a little bit about your childhood growing up let's get a little personal okay okay we can do that what was your childhood like growing up in cordill georgia well cordill is a, is a small town in southwest georgia uh, my family has been there probably for about five or six generations now, but it was an it was a wonderful you know small, typical small town where everybody knows everybody, you know uh, you know you, you go to school and the teachers have taught you know three generations of your family so they you know, they taught your mother and you and then they teach you know the the next generation after so it was um, a very nurturing community you know and I was a kid you know I was. Um, Started out very well. I was a very, very good student, and I was really nurtured and supported by the the community, you know, and doing well in school. And I would, you know, be in the newspaper for doing, you know, various things, and uh, that just gave me a sense of wanting to achieve and wanting to do. And also, too, today to this point, because I was poured into by my family and by the community so much, it um, made me have this notion of wanting to give back, you know. To, to, uh, to the community because a community from very early on in Cordell, Georgia, wholeheartedly supported me as well as my family. My, I come from a large family. My mother has uh, 15 siblings and my father had 10. So I had a lot of uncles and aunts and a lot of cousins that I and I spent summers growing up in my grandparents' house in Araby, Georgia, which is about 200 people 10 miles south of Cordell. Hmm. Wow, that's a huge family, Reg. Huge. You know what I'm saying? Gigantic. Gigantic is right. What What did young Reggie aspire to be when he grew up? You know, I uh, from my earliest memories of wanting of, of a career, I wanted to be a teacher. 
and, and by the time I got to high school, I wanted to be an English teacher. And then I went to college and I majored in English because um, I was, I'm was i a very good writer. I've always been a very good writer. I've always loved words and language, you know, and reading and literature from a very, very early age. So, um, you know, that inspired me to, to want to teach. But uh, then I um, graduated from college and I really thought about it. I'm like, do I want to spend the rest of my time in a classroom? And, and somebody said something to me. I've interviewed for a teaching job and the woman who interviewed me, she said, you know, Reggie, even if you never teach, you will always teach because teaching is in your blood. And though I've never been in a classroom teaching, I do feel that I, I, I teach in many ways. I've been a mentor you know, to young people. I, I feel like I, I teach them and you know, I, you know, I lead and I teach, whether it's in a classroom or not. Wow, amazing. You sure do. That's excellent. But now how does a kid growing up in Cordell, Georgia, end up spending most of his adult life in New York? Well, uh, that's interesting because I am yes, from small town Georgia, and by the time I got to high school, I had to choose a college, and I had a, a director in a program that I was in called Upward Bound, who was really, really pushing me to apply to an Ivy League school because she felt I could handle it and I could do well, and it would be a great environment for me. But I wasn't feeling this. I I, I wasn't hearing it. It was something foreign. Nobody ever in the history of my high school had done that, so it wasn't a notion that I could relate to or that. Uh, or I didn't have people in my life who had done that, so that wasn't uh, something I could relate to. But my best friend, uh, from the time we were in seventh grade, had told me he was going to Harvard, and I almost laughed at him. And by the time we got to high school, he was going to apply to Harvard and other Ivy League schools, and we were very competitive. So I said to myself, he might apply and get in. I, I can't let him outdo me. I better find a, a, a school, an Ivy League school, to apply to as well. So I found um, – all of them had uh, sent me recruitment letters, but the one that I gravitated toward was Brown University because of the uh, social consciousness of the students and, and the uh, liberal curriculum that the school had. It fit my personality. And I applied, and lo and behold, I got in. You know, it turns out my counselor was right, and it was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. I absolutely, positively love my four years at Brown University. It is an incredible place. Uh, to learn and to be and to live and to immerse yourself. But at Brown, when I was graduating, most of my friends were from New York City. So I had a decision to make. Do I go back to Georgia? And probably I would have gone to Atlanta. Or do I follow my friends and move to New York City? Ultimately, I made the decision you know, uh, to interview for a job in New York. And I got a job in the executive training program at Bloomingdale's. And I came to New York. That was 30 years ago, Vince, and I have not looked back since. Wow. It is an amazing place to live. Huh. Amazing, man. Amazing. Now, I've known you, Reg, I, I would imagine, over 10 years uh, at least. And during that time, you've always been involved in the community, uplifting uh, adults and children in the community, and you, you haven't slowed down since. Now, do you feel that your time here has made a significant impact in the communities in which you serve? Well, I will talk about one experience outside of work. Uh, okay. I, for a number of years, uh, was a volunteer with an organization called Unlocking Futures. And I was part of a program called Warrior's Way, where they partner boys from single-parent families with a mentor, middle school-age boys. And uh, I uh, started out as a mentor, then I became a coach, you know, coaching other mentors to be great mentors, and then a course leader leading different courses you know, for mentors and for young people at uh, Unlocking Futures. 
And I probably went through about three or four cohorts over the years of, of young men. And uh, Vince, at this point, all of them are adults. You yes. know, many of them have their own children. They're in the workforce. They're in college. They're uh, doing wonderful things. And 100% of them graduated from high school, 100%. which is a big thing. Yeah, because these kids come from far Rockaway, you know, uh, one of the toughest neighborhoods in in, in New York City, you know, this gang written and violence, you know, you name it, it's in their community. So a lot, uh, most of the boys there in their community don't grow up and graduate from high school. So to have a program where 100% of the kids that I work with, and even in the, that I didn't work with, they all, these boys all graduate from high school. And, you know, every now and then I'll hear from them on Facebook or they'll reach out to me or they'll text me. And to see them being great fathers, to see them excelling in, in college, excelling in, in the workforce, excelling in life. For me, if I've never done anything, but I feel that's one place where I've made an impact, you know, uh, here in New York City, when I watch and see, you know, the men that these boys, once young boys, have become. Yes, Rez. That is, uh, that's amazing, man. It really, truly is. It's just a testament to how, well, how you affected these young people. And again, these are young people who now are young men who have their own kids and they're going to help their children. And it's just a beautiful thing, Reg, really. And, you know, personally for me, you've always been supportive of the work that I do with Body Scope of New York with children. I mean, even during your days at the uh, broadcasting network at Emmis Communications, when you work with Hot 97, 98.7 KISS, you've always reached out and helped me to further my program with the Children's Sports and Fitness Expo. You know, you always gave up your time and energy. And for that, I just want to thank you at this moment. You know, really, truly do. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. You're, you're a great person to connect with and do uh, good things in the community with. Thank you, Reg. But let's talk now about your role as, so, as Associate State Director for Multicultural Engagement for AARP New York. First of all, for the benefit of some of the younger listeners, what does AARP stand for? AARP is an organization, a national organization, that focuses on people who are 50-plus living the best life possible. So, you know, you know that, that is what we, we do day in and day out, and we do that through a number of ways. First, we have, just so people know, we have 38 million members, AARP members across the country. We have 2.6 million AARP members in New York State, and we have almost 800,000 members in the five boroughs. So that is a lot of people that we serve. And we do a number of things. You know, I, I mentioned um, empowering people to live the best life at any age. Well, some of the stuff we do is that we help people prepare uh, financially for now and for retirement and for the future. We offer free financial education workshops. Uh, one of the other things that we do between April and the month of October is we offer free shred events so people can go in their community for free and get their important documents shredded to protect themselves from identity theft. That's one of the most popular things that we do. And then on the, the fun side, the entertainment side, we uh, do free movies you know, for our members and their friends so people can come out and see a movie sometimes before it's even released, uh, sometimes during the first week of release or, or shortly after it's released for totally free with AARP uh, and theaters all across the city. And then the, um, from an entertainment standpoint, we also, also offer discounts to things like Broadway shows. You know, we've done The Color Purple. We've done mm. Donna, the Donna Summer Show. We've done uh, Share. We've done a number of things, and our members love it. They get a discount 
uh, through AARP. And at the end of the day, uh, the, in terms of um, people living the best life, you've also got to make sure that we have the best legislation and the best policy passed. So we work on a, on a city, state, and federal level to ensure that um, we're passing policy that uh, impacts the lives of people 50-plus in the best way, in the best manner that it could. Wow. AARP is a major organization. <laughs> major. Indeed, it is. 38 million strong. 38 million. And now, in your opinion, and with your experience working with older adults, which I'm one, would you say most adults in the African-American or Caribbean-American community are already financially when it comes to retirement? Interestingly, interesting that you should ask that question because we do we do a lot of research and we've done a number of surveys and studies, and unfortunately, most people are not prepared. But on the flip side of it, they're saying that they want to be able to retire, you know, by 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 um, the time that they're 65. But the reality is, events there's a gap between uh, people's preparedness and their goals of when they want to retire. So AARP, what we do through various tools and resources and workshops, is we help people to close that gap so that they can make it a reality. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, I haven't done it. You know, I'm 40, I'm 50. It's too late. Well, ideally, you should have been thinking about it in your 20s, but if you haven't, you know, it's never too late to start. And the important thing is that a lot of people are, there's this fear when people have to, you know, when they're a certain age, they've got to think about financially where they are at retirement. People got to get over that fear in our community and at least have the conversation. Because if you don't have the conversation, you're never going to get to the point where you can retire and live the kind of life that you want to live at retirement. So sit down with a financial expert, come to the AARP workshop, you know, and start the conversation about what you want out of retirement financially and otherwise. Hmm. I have a friend um, who works on my on the job where I work at. She's been at this position for 44 years, and she told me at the end of this year she's retiring, and she has a million dollars in her 401k. Good for her. Yeah. You know, she's, yeah she's, good for her. 44 years, and she's done the right thing, and she can go out to retire and live the kind of life she wants and retire. Exactly. But why is it that most of us don't want to think about retirement? You know, yeah, it, it's. I think it's a, a number of different factors. Many of us don't grow up in households where we're taught about finances. You know, generation, generation after generation after generation. You know, it wasn't a discussion that was had in my house. You know, it wasn't knowledge that I that I got. So that's number one. Uh, that's 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 one of the, the contributing factors. And then the um, other thing I think that's rampant in our in our community, this notion that you can retire just on, oh, I'll have my Social Security, you know, Vince, the average Social Security benefit is maybe about $26,000 a year for somebody who's 65 and older. You're not going to be able to live just off that. Social Security was never meant to be the one thing that you had. You know, it was a part of, the, a, part of a three-pronged stool. You know, Social Security, your savings, and then your pension or your 401k, those were the three things, you know, way back when that would contribute to retirement. So in our community, we've got to get over this notion that Social Security is going to be enough for us to live off of because it won't. It could send a lot of us into poverty if that's all that we, we have. Hmm. So true, Red. So true. What about those who are reaching retirement years who want to go into, uh, who want to go into business for themselves? You, do you recommend that? You know, it's interesting that you ask that. 
because people who are 50 plus are one of the fastest growing entrepreneurial segments in the country. Why really? is it, you might ask? Well, yes. you've got the knowledge, you've got the experience, you've got the wisdom, you've worked on, uh, you've had a career. So you've got all of that, you know, and now, you know, at this point in time in your life, you know, you're over 50, why not take all of that knowledge, experience, and know-how and apply it to building a business for yourself? And that's the conversation a lot of entrepreneurs uh, are, are, are having are people who are, who are at you know uh, the, the stage in their life where they're looking for their what's next. So and, and so that that is definitely a conversation. And AARP actually um, I've, over the years you know I've done uh, different things to help people who want to transition from there now to uh, building a business. So we've we've done panel discussions and workshops too on how to help how to start your own business. Because also you want to leave a legacy too for your kids and for your grandkids, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is great, man. I got to learn more about that. Now, how long have you been with AARP now, Reg? I've been with AARP for four years, and it's you know it's truly been a labor of love. As you mentioned before, you know my my primary role is to be the, the is to ensure that AARP shows up in community and, and African American and Caribbean American neighborhoods across the city. We show up at uh, events you know, with different organizations. We show up with our threat events that I mentioned. We show up with our free movies in, you know, in uh, African-American and black neighborhoods. So, uh, and I primarily, I do most of this work in Brooklyn and Harlem because I'm a one, I'm one person. So, but I, yeah, I primarily focus on doing most of it in Brooklyn and Harlem. Not, not to say that we aren't in other places because there are other people who come to the other boroughs, but from an intensive you know, standpoint in terms of outreach to African-American and black communities, we do a lot of stuff in Brooklyn and a lot of stuff in Harlem. Wow. Now, my next question, though, because this is really good information for me, too, and I think a lot of people need to know about the, the work that you're doing and what AARP is all about, especially when it comes to business and the, even the, the entertainment activities that it has and the education that it's providing. Now, you're putting on an event on Saturday, December 14th. Can you talk about that event for a minute? Surely. So... A couple of years ago, our CEO, Joanne Jenkins, you know, wrote a book, you know, and it was based on when she was turning 50 and all the conversations she was having in her head. And she thought, this is ridiculous. We've got to change the narrative about aging in this country. So she said, we've got to disrupt aging. And she wrote a book called Disrupt Aging. And Disrupt Aging is all about changing outdated and outmoded uh, ways of thinking when it comes to age. You know, have you ever heard the station? Oh, have you ever heard the statement? He looks good or she looks good for her age. <laughs> All the time. And we're yeah. okay with that. You know, we yeah. should be okay with that. So she wrote this book, and, and we now uh, here locally in New York City, what we do is we convene conversations, uh, people from different industries to have conversations about what it means to age in that industry and to still be relevant and on top of your game in that industry at any age. We did the radio business. You mentioned I came from radio. So we've done, you know, Divas of Radio, where we have women who are over 50-plus who are on air, top-rated shows, talk about how they're still changing the game being 50-plus. We did Disrupt Aging in, in, in finance. And we also did Disrupt Aging in fashion, which is, you know, another industry perceived as a young person's industry. So the event on the, uh, the December 14th at, at Clyde Frazier's Restaurant is disrupt aging in sports. And we're going to bring together you know, a, a former Yankees player, a former NFL player, and a former um, NBA player, and yourself, who are going to yes. be on a panel 
to talk about what it means to be relevant and healthy in the sports business while you're, while you're still playing, and then post uh, your playing days and, and, and what it looks like when people retire from professional sports and, and, and what they engage with. So we're going to have a really dynamic and interesting discussion on December 14th from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. at Clive Frazier's Restaurant and Vince. We're really looking forward to having you be a part of that conversation because if anybody's an age disruptor, you are. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. <laughs> I hope to continue being that role model for you guys. You know what I'm saying? But and speaking of that, and speaking of that, Reg, now with all the people that you've met who are 50-plus, what would you say the state of health for the African-American and Caribbean-Americans are right now since as they're going into these years, are they healthy? Are, they, are, they, are we looking at a situation where we are definitely losing out when it comes to chronic diseases? Well, to be sure, Vince, there are disparities. You know, when you look at the, the, the general population and when you look at your African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians, and you look at health and the overall health indicators, you know, for people who are 50-plus, uh, and it's, it's continuing from younger years, there are um, people who are 50-plus suffer disproportionately from chronic diseases, illness. Uh, they don't have the finances to pay for you know, different medical needs. In particular, one thing I do want to mention, because AARP focuses on this, is caregiving. Uh, because uh, at some point, you know, as we age, we're all probably going to need some kind of caregiver, you know, to, to help with various things. So when you look at caregivers, caregivers on average spend 20% of their income taking care of their loved one. But when you look at um, African-Americans, that number goes up to 34%. And then when you look at Hispanics, that number goes up to 44%. So, Vince, people are spending a lot of money taking care of their, their loved ones. They do it because they love them. But they yes. shouldn't have to, like, uh, face bankruptcy or go into poverty taking care of their loved ones. So one of the things that AARP is doing to try to close that disparity and close that gap is have the state of New York, we're pushing for the governor to put in his budget next year, a caregiver tax credit to give caregivers some kind of relief as a start, mm-hmm. not as an end all and be all, but as a start, you know, to, to, you know, that's a starting point, give them some kind of relief and then let's build from there. So there are definite disparities when it comes to health. Uh, when you look at the general population versus African-American and AARP is working very hard to disrupt those disparities through policy and legislation. Good. I'm all for that 100 percent because I see it for myself, how many people are in need of caregivers as they get older. And it's also important that as we as we age, that we realize we can delay that aging process. We can delay the so-called um, chronic disease that you're supposed, supposed to get as you get older because that's not even true. And so we really have got to educate older adults on that they can take care of their health and prolong that aging pro- so-called aging process that they talk about so much in the, in, in the in society. So I applaud what you're doing and what you're educating uh, people 50-plus and older. And we need this, Reg. We really do need it. Absolutely, and, and we need to get rid of this notion that decline is inevitable. I, mean, I, I think that uh, we invent the way we age, and given that we invent the way we age, why not choose to have it not be limiting or, or, or confining or look a certain way? Why not invent the way you age where you're vibrant, alive, contributing, writing that new book, 
started that new business, you know, going on that adventure, traveling the world. I agree. Now, one of my one of my role models is Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne said exercise is a king. Nutrition is the queen. You put them together and you have a kingdom. And he lived to be 96 years old. See, there you go. Find an example of what it means to invent aging the way you want to and not let it happen to you. Yes, man. And now, speaking of that, you're also planning on doing another program, um, an ongoing program starting in, the, in, in 2020. Uh, it also includes me. Talk about that. Yeah, this, um, and we, we did it, but my predecessor did it a few years ago. We want to bring it back. But it's called Faith, Finance, and Fitness. And you know, we talk about in our communities, I mentioned those disparities. Well, there's an intersection particularly in African-American, Black, and Caribbean communities, between faith and finance and fitness. When you have your faith together, your finance together, your fitness together, you can do anything. So we want to, with you, with you Vince, being a part of it, bring back faith, finance, and fitness, you know, do panel discussions, offer people information and resources to, uh, to ensure that their fit, their faith is intact, and their finances are intact and they're empowered to live the best life possible at any age. And we're looking forward to having you be a part of that series next year. I'm looking forward to being there, Reg. I truly am. Now, how can my listeners learn more about AARP and uh, its various benefits? Well, I will tell people here in New York we have a, uh, to go to our website. If you go to aarp.org slash my, that's aarp dot org slash my you can find all the great things we have going on in uh new york for uh, members and non-members you, know, you don't have to be a member of aarp to take advantage of the the, the the events and resources and tools that we offer and then the other place i will tell people to go to is to go to follow us on social media if you go uh our facebook page is aarp ny and the same thing on twitter aarp ny you can uh follow us on twitter and follow us on facebook and also find out what's going on with AARP. Excellent. Reg, any last words? The thing is, I just want to say uh, to your listeners, Vince, you know, I, I encourage them to come out to a, one of our AARP events, but I also encourage them that uh, to embrace living, embrace life, and age is just a number, and let's disrupt aging by doing things that people never thought we could do 50 plus and beyond. Wow, well said. I'm all in. Reggie Nance, on behalf of Body Scope of New York and Six Weeks of Fitness, I truly want to thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And to my listeners, I truly hope this program was informative, encouraging, and inspiring, and that you will continue tuning in to our Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please leave them on my Six Weeks of Fitness blog at www.sixweeksoffitness.com or email me at vince at sixweeks.com. Take care. Bye-bye.